0: Hi, I'm Arnav Rastogi, and this is... Saat And together, we are co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Thank you for tuning in. And in this episode, we're going to be looking at all the offensive free agent signings that were made, and especially at the wide receiver position, I mean, we got some juicy signings to get into. Without further ado, let's get into it.
1: Speaking of wide receivers, we have to start off with Kenny Galladay huge addition for the New York Giants and you know what do you think here with Kenny Galladay choosing to really sign with this young up-and-coming team yeah
0: this this was the most interesting signing to me you know four year 72 million dollar deal I mean that's a massive deal for any wide receiver as far as I'm concerned and the fact of the matter was is that he chose to go to a younger team where he saw more potential. And and that's good. You know, some, some guys are like that. They want to work with younger quarterbacks, you know, build that trust, that relationship. And Kenny Galladay wanted to do that with Danny Dimes. He saw potential there. You know, my thing would be, though, especially looking at the Juju situation, because he said that he had deals from the Steelers and the Ravens. Now, obviously, those teams don't have 18 million a year to give to wide receivers, but they certainly do have 10, 11, or 12 million that they could have offered to Kenny Galladay, right? So here's where I'm a bit confused from Kenny Galladay's standpoint. Why not take a five, $6 million pay cut to go to a Ravens or maybe even a Chiefs? Why go to the giants and that that's the question that really bothers me about the signing you know it's great for the organization from the giant standpoint this is a a plus move especially for a young quarterback like Danny Dimes but for me you know when I look at this signing as a whole from Kenny Galladay's standpoint it's just a bit confusing for me
1: yeah no I see where you're coming from but you know there's two really answers to this one you know if you're Kenny Galladay this is your big opportunity here you know to rake in as much as you can, you know, take care of your family, take care of your friends, your people, you know, for the next up and coming generations, your family, you're set now with this contract. And also the thing is maybe Kenny Galladay is looking at it like, Hey, we've got a team here that has a really good defense, a young quarterback. If I can go there, if I can be the playmaker, I can be what elevates this team and takes it to the next level. And he really has an opportunity to do that. Cause if we're looking at, you know, what's this Giants team really lacking? You know, they don't have that number one alpha receiver, a guy they can go to every single play, every single down, a guy that they can count on every single game to deliver. And Kenny Galladay has the opportunity to be that for this team.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, you, you talked about how they have a young quarterback and, and a good solid defense. Talk about the culture that Joe Judge has built there. That would seem attractive if I'm Kenny Galladay as well and an opportunity to play with a guy like Saquon, I I think those definitely factored in. But, you know, I guess some guys are like that. They don't want to just go to a championship-built team like Kansas City, like the Ravens. They want to work their way up with a team like the Giants. And I think that's what Kenny Galladay did. And, you know, from the Giants standpoint, excellent signing. You know, you get two outside threats. Uh, with Darius Slayton and Kenny Galladay and not to mention, and, and this might actually be one of the steals of free agency, John Ross, they got him on a cheap contract, a cheap one-year contract. And he's presumably going to be in the slot. going to work from there. Ultra fast receiver. If he turns out to play well, like he gives you a 50 catch, 750, 800 yard, five, six touchdowns. This giant receiving core, I mean, what a difference a year makes.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And specifically for Daniel Jones here, you know, this team, he, he still has to prove himself that he is the franchise guy for this team, right? And a big, car, a big part of what Daniel Jones really needs is confidence, you know, from the quarterback position being able to see the field, know where to go. And when you have a guy like Kenny Galladay and Daniel Jones can confidently just sit back there, he can just trust his guy to go win that 50-50 ball down the field. And especially now, you know, throwing in a weapon like John Ross, they also added Kyle Rudolph for for whatever that's worth. And just the more help you can get him, that's just going to build more confidence. And I think Daniel Jones is honestly, this is his make it or break it year now because he, he has weapons around him. And there's really no more excuses if Daniel Jones can't take his game to the next level.
0: Yeah, I mean, the G-men here have made a lot of good moves. You know, not as many as the next team we're going to talk about. But they sure made some quality moves. And and I think the moves that were best uh, for the organization. And I I guess we'll see how it pans out. I'll say this. The Giants are going to be on my list when I look back. At the top off seasons, when we do that recap video, they're definitely gonna be there. And without further ado, what you know the 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 team that we're talking about, the team that made all the monster moves, the headliner, it's none other than the New England Patriots.
1: Yeah, and you want to talk about a team that's gonna have a notable off season? This team completely turned their offense around in just a matter of a week and throughout free agency. And, you know, you're looking at two marquee tight ends. They, this, the New England Patriots basically tipped the whole tight end class and they were like, here, let us take <laughs> it. Did. They did. They handed out massive contracts to John U. Smith, to Hunter Henry, two of the, you know, young, really guys that are entering their prime at the tight end position. They can catch it. John Smith has experience as a blocker in Tennessee in their running game. And, I think we're really just going to see this um, New England team really operate with those two tight ends, run the ball, pound it, play action, play action off of it. And it's just going to add so much of a versatility to their offensive tech.
0: Definitely. And and I think a lot of people here, you know, they're great signings, obviously. You know, you're, you hit it out of the park with Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, whatever team would have gotten those guys, it would have been a home run. But a lot of people here are – questioning the motive, right? Why does Bill Belichick, I mean, this is so uncharacteristic bill doesn't go out and give handout big contracts and just first day of free agency. You know, I think this was the most, I think the, the guaranteed money that the Patriots spent is more than what the Patriots were worth. I think a couple of years before Tom Brady went to new England, that's, that's absurd. And, you know, you don't see these things in new England a lot of people are saying the motive is because Tom Brady won the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, you know, Belichick has to prove something this year. And I just want to completely dismantle that theory. That That's not how things work. Belichick is the coach, and I believe director of player personnel for the Patriots. He is concerned with the future of the Patriots, what's best for this franchise, right? And clearly, Cam Newton is his quarterback. And last year, he saw that Cam Newton is an okay quarterback who needs help at the tight end position. He needs more weapons. So he went out and he got Cam Newton weapons. Hunter Henry, Janu Smith, Kendrick Bourne. Belichick is just doing what any Normal NFL franchise should do, which is make moves that help the franchise and create a better future, and that's the sole motive of the Patriots going out and signing all of these guys and just completely going on a spending spree.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, and you know something that sets apart this offseason, particularly for the New England Patriots. You know, coming off a losing season after what, like twenty years. And they have so much cap space, which is really uncharacteristic for New England. They, they're they not generally in a position to go and get out all these players. And most importantly, they had needs at all these positions. They, they lacked offensive weapons. They needed guys on defense that they had to go get, I mean, specifically offensively, we're discussing in this episode. And like, it was just a glaring need. If you're New England and you're just gonna sit there and not go after these guys, you're doing your team a disservice and I think that's really a point you brought up. But I also do want to add, you know, you can't you can't take out that human element there. Because, you know, if, if you're Bill Belichick, you do want to go and, you know, just you got to go win that Super Bowl on your own. You know, it's just one of those things that you've got. I to mean, do. OK. All right. Look, you know, they did. They, they had a hole at
0: the wide receiver position. They went and got Kendrick Bourne. They had a hole at the tackle position. Cam needed some more protection. They went out and reunited with Trent Brown. I don't see I, I find it hard to believe there's a human element with this, especially how just locked in Belichick is all the time. I think he makes strategic moves that help the franchise, which is why I think for him, it's less of the human element and more of just doing what's right for the team. And I think that's what all these moves are doing. What's right. He doesn't care about Tom Brady anymore. He wished him well, good luck in Tampa Bay. Oh, you won a super bowl. Great. I I, th- I don't think really Belichick is trying to prove a, a point that, oh, he can also do it in New England. He's better than Bray. I, I really don't think that's the case here. Yeah
1: you know, I agree. I, I see that, you know, he's doing... Bill Belichick always has his own strategic plan. You know, last season he didn't do anything. We're all just sitting there. And then now he comes out. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see and we'll see what this New England Patriots team does.
0: Another team that has been filling their holes in this offseason is none other than Kansas City, the defending AFC champions. And I mean... A few weeks ago, they cut pretty much their entire offensive line, which was, I mean, I guess granted, given their poor performance uh, in the Super Bowl. And they went out and they gave a massive contract, five-year, $80 million, to former Patriots guard Joe Thune. And they even were able to lure Kyle Long, former Bears guard, out of retirement. What do you think of these moves Sabic?
1: Yeah, you know, this is really something here. Kansas City not sitting out, you know, just waiting to see how things go. They're being aggressive. They're gonna make sure that they can continue to put themselves in a position to contend. And you know, two of the big names that they decided to move on from, Mitchell Schwartz, Eric Fisher, top of the top cream of the crop offensive lineman. And you know, they are big guys in terms of cap hits. Getting up in age, you know, coming off injuries, I guess they decided they have to do what's best for this organization. But one thing that we really have to take into account, you know, offensive line, especially in the sport of football, it's five guys all having to come together and be on the same page. You know, I guess I wouldn't say that it's easier maybe for a quarterback and a receiver to get on the same page, but it's incredibly difficult if your five offensive linemen don't understand what's going on because. It's not like you can just roll out of bed and put an offensive line together. Cause, and especially, you know, with the COVID you know, protocols, whatever, if you can't really get in person and you know, run the drills, really get a feel for what's going on. I think September might be a little rocky for the Chiefs in terms of offensive line play. Hey,
0: I mean, you, you look at, you know, Joe Thune. I mean, coming from the Patriots, you know he's going to be sharp. Kyle Long, I mean, he's a veteran. He knows what's going on. I mean yeah I guess you know maybe the first two games they'll they'll be struggle but I think I, th- I think Kansas City made the right moves here I think I think you know they saw last season they evaluated they noticed the poor play and they moved on and they got new guys and that's just what you have to do as an NFL team you know you're you're trying to get the best guys to and and have put them together on a team and compete and you know when when two guys two offensive tackles they're not working for you. They're, they're not uh, playing up to their capability. You move on from them and you get two other guys who can replace them. And really that's what they did here with Joe Thune and Kyle Long.
1: Yeah, and, and with this offensive line, you, know, you, you also have to bring up um, respect what Patrick Mahomes did, you know, restructuring that contract. But, you know, with all these guys restructuring contracts, you know, with the cap coming down this year, it really brings up the question, you know, all this money is going to get rolled over into the future. But I guess there there is a huge cap increase that's going to be coming. Yeah. I guess that'll take care of the situation, yeah. but
0: I, it'll alleviate it. I don't think like I never want to say that it's going to take care of it because I feel like, yeah. you know, the more you restructure, you will eventually one year yeah. have a problem. But it will alleviate it to some extent.
1: Saints cough off. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: hey, hey. Let's let's I mean, look, if ev- we're eventually going to come to that point. It it, it
1: is what it is, man. Yeah. And, and anyway, coming back to the Kansas City Chiefs here. I, I think it's really just Patrick Mahomes, you know, doing what he needs to do in order to help this team get them together. I personally don't have too many questions with the Chiefs. I think they're, they're gonna get the offensive line going. They'll probably be back ready to go for the AFC playoffs in 2021.
0: You know, yeah, like we said, this Kansas City team, we really don't care what happens until January. So, I mean, we're just waiting January 22, when it's gonna come, when we can start talking about the Chiefs more, I guess, I guess we'll see what happens then. Um, Let's look throughout the league. You know, we've been focusing on three teams here, the Patriots, the Giants, and Kansas City. I think there's a lot more, you know, isolated moves that were just excellent. And especially in the wide receiver position, um, the Jets signing a number one receiver in Corey Davis, the Cardinals adding to their luxury of receivers with A.J. Green. Think about this. They got... DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, and A.J. Green. And their fourth receiver is Christian Kirk, a dude who put up 700-plus receiving yards last season.
1: You think It's you think incredible. About having, it's just, yeah. just incredible. You, you think about having that fantasy team back in 2015, <laughs> A.J. Green. <laughs> I
0: mean, um, hey, the Cardinals, I mean, they're just helping Kyler Murray out in any way. And then I think this is – going to be a very underrated move and I think you highlighted this uh the Rams getting Deshaun Jackson and I know you know as an Eagles fan you know what d can do even though he was injured a lot in the games that he played he was a beast
1: yeah. I love that move so much for him going back to LA and with Sean McVeigh, what he can bring to the table for D-Jax if Deshaun Jackson can just stay healthy I'm telling you, like it. it, I don't know if this is a bold prediction, maybe this is just like a fan side of me coming out, but I feel like Deshaun Jackson's gonna have like a thousand yard, ten touchdown kind of. All right, all right,
0: all right, all right. Look, until Deshaun Jackson can prove that he can play a healthy like ten games, If, if if he's healthy,
1: he's gonna break out. You heard it here. You heard it here.
0: Yeah, I'm. I mean, he has the potential, right? This dude is a constant deep threat and. You know, you look at Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, right? Think, you know, the defense already has to deal with that. And they struggle. Defenses struggle covering those two guys. Now they got the safeties back there. They got to worry about DJacks taking the top off. So there's definitely going to be a lot of room for Deshaun Jackson to operate in. Uh, another move that I want to get to here, and I mean, we have to get to this is the 49ers signing Trent Williams to the largest deal for an offensive lineman ever. And this is absurd. This dude, I mean, the, look, Trent Williams is a great player, but for a 33 year old offensive tackle, given him a six year, $138 million deal when you got problems at the cornerback and safety position moving on from Richard Sherman. I mean, I'm not gonna say that this was a bad move, but I'll say the 49ers might have their priorities in the wrong
1: order. You know what, here's what I'm gonna say about that. I wouldn't, I agree with what you said, except for that last part about priorities not being in the right order because we say about we say this with quarterbacks all the time right hey you know pay him now the cap is going to increase and then we won't worry about it the same thing's going to happen with O-line you know the cap is increasing um correct me if I'm wrong I think it's about like what 22 million a year is that the average on this contract
0: Yeah. yeah
1: so of course you know that's a whole lot of money but left tackle is one of those premier top five paying positions you know you're gonna have to pay if you want the top guys at the position I know he's old but now for the next foreseeable probably for the four next four or five years maybe three or four years they're going to have a top five left tackle there they they don't have to worry about that you know just forget it trust that you're going to have a guy there and it might be a lot of money but you know I if I'm San Francisco I can go to bed at night for the next three to four years not having to worry about my left tackle but, I mean,
0: as an Eagles fan, doesn't this eerily remind you of Jason Peters? I mean, large contract, aging tackle. I mean, if we if we think about this, he's 33, right? This dude's contract is till he's 39 years old. And you cannot tell me that he's not going to regress in that time period, right? At one point, he will be a cap casualty. And in my opinion, that is just three years from now. That's when you see a real decline. So... I mean, I mean, yeah, they they secured their left tackle spot. That that's wonderful. I, I don't, I just don't know. Six years, one hundred thirty-eight yeah, million. I, no. I understand. I understand what
1: you're saying. And since you brought up, you know, Jason Peters, I agree with you. But Jason Peters is also for the Eagles. It's a special case because we had so many injuries. We had to keep bringing him back, even though you know he was past his prime. He was probably not in the best condition, you know, physically, probably to be playing but he was still a viable option and we desperately needed him so we had to bring him back and hey for I guess we needed a left tackle and he was there to fill that role but I guess if I think Trent Williams will still be at the top of his game for the next at least three to four years and if I'm San Francisco after that I can live with the contract.
0: I I guess we'll see how that pans out. Um, Let's end it off with arguably the funniest move in the off season and my condolences go out to this fan base which has been tortured uh for about two years now and that is the Chicago Bears signing Andy Dalton um I I don't know man like this Bears franchise just continually just confuses me I I just don't know what they're doing or what direction they want to go in and you know if if I had to feel bad for two people, one is Bears fans, and second is Allen Robinson, I just – I pray for you guys on a daily basis.
1: Dude, Allen Robinson, this was his shot to get out of there, you know, get out yeah. of Chicago, move it on, was. put it behind you. You know, going back to that franchise tag, you know, hopefully he can get past this season and gets an opportunity at free agency again next year. But with Chicago, I don't know what's going on. They, they just seem desperate for a quarterback – you know, they weren't able to get anybody. They weren't make, able to make any trades happen. So they, they signed whoever was available. And in this case, I guess it was Andy Dalton. Is Andy Dalton going to be the savior of the franchise? No, he's not. You know, it's just going to be another, like, six to eight wins. So season. it's a
0: one year. It's a one year. It's just yeah. they're working year to year at that position. I would say, like like, something that would give the Bears direction would be if they – traded up and got a quarterback, maybe a Trey Lance, you know, maybe a Justin Fields. I I don't, I don't know what Ryan Pace and the bears are thinking. Uh, You know, they made a serious shot at Russell Wilson, but then again, I think you and I both know that he's, he's not moving. And Deshaun Watson, I mean, he, he got those, let's, let's not get into that. He he got all those allegations. Don't want to get too much into that, but you know, the bears, you know, they just another year where I feel like it's going to waste. It's just the no direction in that organization there.
1: Yeah. And just one last thing about the bears here. I honestly think if they don't make a bold move, they don't go out and draft somebody or make something happen. Well, I guess the trades, I don't know about this point, but my, my fear, if I'm a Chicago fan is that this defense is going to get regress. And then at some point, they're just gonna have to blow it up and start all over again in Chicago because
0: yeah, and, and for a team that made a bold move, a bold play at Khalil Mack a, a couple seasons ago, tried to bolster that defense, Akeem Hicks, Roquan Smith, all these guys, and you know, just they, they could have been one of the best defenses, I would say, of the decade, honestly, competing with the Legion of Boom. If they that, that was their potential, and you know, Chicago. The, the
1: management and the offense it just ruined that all right with that being said thank you for tuning in to the 38th episode of the backfield rift make sure to listen to our next episode where we'll be breaking down the defensive free agent additions this in this free agency period until then it's been Satvik us and Arnav Verstoghi stay safe and take care